Hey, and I'm back for another throwback for Halloween. And on this throwback, we're going to be talking about one of the earliest known serial killers. And her name was Lavinia Fisher. And she's known as Ale's Messenger. So stick around and give it a listen. If you have a message you want to send to Hale, give it to me. I'll carry it. Those are the famous last words of Lavinia Fisher. Fisher is believed to have been America's first female serial killer. Good morning and welcome to episode 57 of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Now, we'll get more into Lavinia in just a few minutes. Now, before we do, I just want to mention that on this past Friday, it was announced that some of the contents of that infamous notebook owned by Brian Laundrie were revealed by the FBI. The notebook contains statements claiming responsibility for the death of Gabby Petito. Now, the Petito and Laundrie families reached an agreement this week, or this past week, on distributing the couple's property, but at this time, it's unclear which family will receive that notebook. The FBI says that it will be closing its investigation into Laundrie's death very soon. And I wish I had an update for you on the Harmony Montgomery case, but really there's just not much to say. I did read over the weekend that her father, Adam, has been a suspect in an unsolved murder case dating back to 2008. The investigation into that case is ongoing, and when I know more, I'll be bringing you updates. Okay, guys. Let's get this week's episode started. It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. y'all so who was this lavinia fisher person now many people believe that she was the first female serial killer in the united states and her story is pretty interesting deadly but interesting very little is known about lavinia's early years but she was born in 1793 there's a lot of legends that have come out from what actually happened and many historians agree or they they can't agree on any of them being true. But it is known that Lavinia and her husband John were active members of the of highwaymen who committed highway robbery and operated out of their inn. Now, Lavinia owned what was called Six Mile Wayfarer House. It was an inn and people who were traveling and selling their wares like hods, cotton, um, tobacco, all that kind of stuff, they would stop at these boarding houses when they traveled through the Charleston area of South Carolina. 
Six Mile's house sat near what is now Meeting Street and where the old Navy Hospital stands in North Charleston. Uh, these borders that would come into stay at Lavinia Fisher's place, they would go missing. So what was happening to them? Now, Lavinia, she was somewhat of a seductress, and she'd use her womanly assets to lure men in. Once she had them in the home, she'd feed them a good old home-cooked meal and then knock them out with a cup of tea that was made with oleander. Now, Lavinia didn't work alone, though. Her husband, John, he took over at that point by robbing the boarders while they slept, murdered them, and then he'd pretty much butcher their remains and dump them in the cellar. Sounds pretty cut and dry, but y'all, there's there's a little bit more to it. When these traveling businessmen would check into Six Mile House, Lavinia would make these men feel at home. She'd spend some time talking to these men and getting to know them. She kind of was feeling them out to see if they were traveling with cash on them, but, you know, they, they just felt so comfortable. You know, they would pretty much tell her anything. Well, after the oleander tea would kick in and it made these men sleepy, a trap door under their bed would open and they'd never be heard from again. Her husband, John, would be waiting below. Once they fell through that trap door, he'd murder them and take their belongings. It wasn't long before the local sheriff started having people coming to him saying that people were just seemingly disappearing after checking into the Fisher's establishment. Well, those claims pretty much fell onto deaf ears because the Fishers were quite popular there in Charleston. And at that time, there was a lack of evidence. But to me, it just kind of sounds like they didn't really search for evidence. Because if people's remains were being thrown into a cellar, some evidence would have been just like under their noses. And all they had to do was look or sniff. The Sea Scout agrees. After not getting any results from reporting it to the local authorities, folks decided to take the law into their own hands and formed a vigilante mob. This mob went into the neighborhood where the Fisher's Inn was and took over it by means of force, and they ran the Fisher's off temporarily. And they left a young man by the name of David Ross to keep watch of the house. The next day... Two men attacked Ross and dragged him to face the highwaymen, and among them was Lavinia herself. Well, Ross looked to Lavinia to help him, and I guess he thought that, you know, because she was a woman, she would help him, but he was looking to the wrong person for help. Lavinia choked Ross and then shoved his head through a window. And he was hurt, but he managed to escape, and he ran to tell police what had just happened to him. Soon after this, a traveling man named John Peoples came along and asked Lavinia if she had any vacancies. Well, you would think Lavinia would be chomping at the bit, but, you know, at first she told him he didn't have any rooms at the moment, but he was welcome to sit down and rest and have a cup of tea with her. Well, Peoples didn't like tea, but just so he wasn't rude, he took it from her, but he didn't drink it. When Lavinia wasn't looking, he took the opportunity to dump the tea out. And as they're sitting there talking, Lavinia suddenly tells Peoples that they did have a room that he could stay in. Well, when Peoples went into that room, 
that Lavinia said that he could stay in, he started thinking about how Lavinia had been questioning him. And he started getting the feeling that he was probably going to be robbed. So instead of climbing into the bed to go to sleep, he decided he was going to sleep in a wooden chair by the door. Poor John Peoples was settled down to sleep. And then all of a sudden he was startled awake in the middle of the night by a crashing sound. And that crashing sound was that bed collapsing through the trap door. Well, Peoples decided to save his own skin and jump through a bedroom window and ran all the way into Charleston to alert the authorities. Finally, there was enough evidence that, you know, something was actually going on at that six-mile Wayfarer house. John Peoples and David Ross had provided the authorities with the names of Lavinia and John Fisher, and that was part of the evidence they had been lacking before. Now, they knew who was to blame. The police go to Six Mile, and when they got there, they were able to locate John and Lavinia. Well, in an effort to save Lavinia from getting into any trouble, John turned in everyone in their gang, but declared that Lavinia was innocent. Cops weren't buying it, though, when Lavinia was held at the judge, or at the jail there in Charleston. At their arraignment, both of the Fishers pled not guilty. But get this, they were never even charged with any murders. Only the highway robbery, and back then, that was a capital offense. It would be almost a full year between their arrest and execution. While she was in jail, she started putting together a plan so that she wouldn't be executed. Now, at that time in South Carolina, a married woman couldn't be hanged, and during her trial, Lavinia mentioned this to the judge. Well, the judge was pretty quick there, and he responded with that they would hang John first so that she would be widowed, and then they could hang her. So then she came up with another plan, and that was to be hanged in a wedding dress. She hoped that with her beauty and a priest present, she could once again seduce a man, but this time into marrying her. She was quite dramatic, too, and she didn't walk down the aisle. She was carried down the aisle, and I'm talking about the aisle to the gallows. And the entire time she was being carried to the gallows, she was ranting and raving. Well, her plan of finding somebody to suddenly marry her didn't work either, and poor old Lavinia saw that she was about to run out of time. And before the executioner could tighten the noose around her neck, she spoke those famous last words and jumped off the gallows, hanging herself. You know, seems like that she would rather just kill herself than let anyone else have the last word or action. You know, I'm not sure if it's true, but they say it took her a full 15 minutes to die. She just kind of dangled there, kicking and screaming. Now, this sounds like the work of an older couple, but actually, y'all, Lavinia was only 27 when she was hanged for her crimes. People who were there at her hanging side that they had never seen such a wicked stare or chilling sneer as they did on her face when she died. Now, a lot of the details, like I said earlier, have been disputed. And the fact is, no one who was there to witness it is still alive. But even if her story is embellished a bit, it's still a good one to share. That's all I have for today's mystery, murder, and magic. 
Y'all have a great week.